What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Hello, friends. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sarah Santa Croce, who is based in Switzerland. She's a friend and former Momentum member who has an incredible podcast and platform of her own around gentle business and gentle marketing. She has a great manifesto called The Gentle Business Revolution that I'll put in the show notes. And she reached out to me with an idea to record a conversation about navigating change and challenging times as an empath and highly sensitive person, or HSP for short. I hope you enjoy this conversation that we recorded for both of our podcasts in a very open back and forth kind of way. If you have any tips that we missed or that are helping you during this time, let me know. Leave a voice note at pivotmethod.com slash ask or send us a reply at hello at pivotmethod.com. Now on to today's show. Hi, Jenny. So good to speak to you. Hi, Sarah. I'm so happy we're doing this. Thank you for the great idea to podcast on being an empath and highly sensitive person during this time. There's no one I'd rather be having this conversation with. (laughs) I know you're the first person that came to mind as well, because we kind of talked about being introverted and both INFJs, but really, um, yeah, like living through this crisis right now has really reminded me how how, yeah, it's probably a different experience to live it as an empath and, and a highly sensitive person. So I reached out to you and uh, we're recording this conversation on uh, March 24th. And we decided to kind of collaborate and, and then host it on both podcasts because it's, a, it's an important conversation because we both think that we have a lot of empaths in the uh, audience, right? Well, I just love what you're doing with Gentle Business revolution and your podcast and gentle marketing. There's so much that through our work together in momentum and outside of it and what you're doing has inspired me along the way of we can do things differently. And I can't think of more of a time now than ever that people need and are craving a gentle approach to this in some way. And and at the same time, the paradox is we need to be quite aggressive from a practical standpoint to stop the spread of coronavirus. I know you are, I'm here in New York City, the new global epicenter of it, but you got a head start because you're in Switzerland. What was your experience like seeing this all unfold once it came to Italy? Yeah, um, it, I was just recording another podcast earlier today uh, with a friend in Milan who um, kind of shared his experience, how it, it felt like in Italy and how the situation is today. And Obviously, yeah, it, it's 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 a scary place right now um, where he is, and uh, and what's interesting is that we always think, well, it's not going to be as bad, <laughs> you know. We are right next to Italy, literally, like it's very close by, and we kind of looked at what's happening in Italy 
from a distance, we're like, oh, you know, this is horrible. And, but we never thought, you know, this is going to hit us uh, within a week. And so uh, seeing kind of what's happening with other countries now, um, I shared just before we started recording, for me, I'm now in this place where, okay, I know it's bad. Um, I compared it to, to a diagnosis when you when you're not sure um you know when you're sick or you know someone who's sick but you know don't know what they have you don't have a diagnosis yet and that is so you know you feel so anxious because you don't know what it is but once you do know you just you know it's bad but you have to deal with it so that's kind of how i compared the the yeah the development of this thing is like i spent the week just being completely anxious because I had no idea, you know, is it going to get really bad? And now we are in lockdown. Uh, This is our second week, complete lockdown, complete country. Uh, Schools have been closed for a week now and uh, and nobody's supposed to go outside. Uh, And and so we are just like, okay, this is bad. Uh, And, and we know we now have to deal with it. And so you kind of see what's happening in, in other countries, um, for example, the States, right, where the wave is still growing. And, and it felt like last week, it felt still like, oh, uh, there's a lot of people who still don't realize that this is going to hit them, just like we didn't re- realize how, how bad it's going to hit us. And that, as an empath, feels so... Oh, I feel so frustrating and I feel so powerless in this situation because there's no control over it. I was just saying that with Penny, that it's the control that's being really questioned right now. And we have to release it because mm-hmm. we might want to control the situation or our business or how things are going to be. And there is no control and there's no certainty. And how do you lead and respond during a time like that? I thought of you this past weekend. So it sounds like we're on pretty similar timelines because here in, in New York, New York is, yes, yes <laughs> it's good, been getting it uh, for about the same amount of time. I don't even know how long I've been on lockdown now because Michael and I kind of did that even before it was required by the state. Mm-hmm. But I thought of you and I thought of this podcast because we went to Whole Foods on Sunday, which is the closest grocery store to us. There was a line out the door halfway down the block security at both entrance and exit. And that was one thing that was a real dose of reality because Michael had been going to the store while I've been podcasting every day. Mm -hmm. And, and then I walked in the store and the whole time that we were shopping, I felt so sad. I was just on the verge of tears, not for myself, for the situation. And I think part of what's happening for those who are empaths or highly sensitive is you pick up on the energy around you in the room from other people and from the collective, not even in your physical location, the global collective consciousness. I felt so sad. I just wanted to cry. I was looking around. It was so sparse. You would think, you know, under any other circumstances, it's like, woohoo, there's no one in here. Great. (laughs) You know, and we were so fortunate that it was stocked because the last time Michael tried to get groceries, the shelves were empty. And we actually didn't eat that much that week. I know that's weird to say. We weren't worried of be, you know, going hungry the way that some people have that very serious concern. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's when reality struck for him. And so for me, it was this deep sadness. And then the last few days, it just that sadness comes and goes in waves. And I, it's not even entirely mine. Some of it is. Some of it is about 
just grieving various losses of what was and that and that as as much as we can try to be optimistic and and hopeful for the future and the shift in consciousness and the sea change that is coming there's still a grieving process you know i quote stephen mitchell in pivot all change involves loss mm-hmm. and I feel it and I feel it for myself personally. And I feel just a deep sort of collective sadness at the same time. I don't know if you've experienced that at all. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's this heaviness, right? Um, and, and yeah, it does overcome me as well. And, and, and I guess like I'm at home with the kids now and, you know, my husband is home and, and so I have to still kind of, keep an upbeat attitude because uh, we know that when we look worried, then obviously the kids are going to be concerned as well. And, and right now, to be honest with you, the kids don't really realize, you know, what, what's going on uh, in, in terms of, they don't see the economical impact. They realize, okay, there's a lot of people getting sick, but they don't know the whole aftermath. So in a way, it's good for them. So, so I, I yeah, I, I, I remember one morning um, last week I was reading this this article uh, about an Italian uh, man who works here in the hospital in Switzerland, and he went to um, he got a call that his mom was dying, and uh, they you know had to go over there and they didn't make it in time, and and just h- how he. St- told the story about how bad the whole situation was for all these old people that literally uh, he, he said that Italy almost went back to the old ages, um, middle age where, you know, people were being treated as, as witches. Like they burned his mother's clothes uh, before he could even recollect them um, because there was so much fear around this virus. And, and so that made, yeah, that made me so sad. And I was crying in the morning and, you know, the kids come in, what's wrong? And, and sometimes it's not as easy to explain how deep things like that touches as, as a highly sensitive people, because even like outside of the virus time, like I cry very easily during movies and, you know, boys, they make, they, they usually make fun of me and, and I kind of now brush it off, but it, that's, that's just how I, that's just how I react to not just sadness, also happy, happy moments in movies. Is it the same for you? Definitely. And I was just thinking maybe it's worth each of us saying what these two terms mean to us, mm-hmm. but certainly part of being highly sensitive. So I think of them empaths, as and it took me a while to realize that I was one, <laughs> but I think of empaths as intuitive. And when you're sort of untrained, you're like a sponge. You're not just empathetic or sympathetic toward others. You actually feel what they're feeling, or you can feel into what they're feeling in a more visceral, experiential way. And the skill for an empath is to learn how not to be a sponge all day and not to just pick up everyone else's energy and get ping-ponged around by other people's energy because it's a very porous, energetic membrane, let's call it. And then I think of highly sensitive person, and there's a book, Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aaron. I think of highly sensitive as, well, exactly that. Like I cry very easily. I have a lot of emotional range up and down. I can be very happy, joyful, hopeful, optimistic, and I can also be deeply affected and sad and waylaid 
by what seem to others might seem like small setbacks. And that's partly what inspired me to write Pivot because I didn't feel very resilient to change. Highly sensitive might even mean you're highly sensitive to sounds. I get really upset if someone's speaking too loudly and I'm in an enclosed space or the TV's on too loud. I cannot watch violent movies. I'll never forget it. Honestly, I can't watch the local news. I I wouldn't sleep at night. So I'm highly sensitive to the inputs and now highly aware of what inputs I'm allowing into my consciousness. Because even if you think you're watching a horror movie, your subconscious doesn't know that. For a long time, I've had to filter what comes in and who I surround myself by because I will be deeply impacted by it. That's how I would define those two terms. And I, and part of that in the context of this pandemic is feeling the collective waves of processing and also having maybe a more intuitive sense or a, a hopeful sense at the same time. Like I have, I hear the voice that says it's going to be okay. Even the conversations with Penny, you know, she really brings that energy way more than me. I was kind of on that call on that podcast episode playing the role of like, well, how do we know Penny? How do we know it's going to be okay? But if I really feel into my intuition, I do see how this is changing all of us and that we will emerge stronger. We do have an opportunity to lead now more than ever, but if you're highly sensitive, that's going to mean processing your own feelings really and everything that's coming in through your antenna. How do you think about those two terms, Sarah? You know, agree to everything you said. Um, For me also, something that I noticed um, more kind of over the years is, is, for example, music. I could simply cry to a, when I see, not so much, you know, just listening to YouTube or whatever music online, but if I see a concert and I see how much passion the artist puts into their uh, craft, that can make me cry. Like just the beauty of something like that can make me cry. And again, that's related to the, to the high sensibility to, to also, I think what I've read is the, the creative side of the brain is kind of more active. And, and so that all goes together, right? The, the music, arts, um, some people, some highly sensitive people are very um, more um, kind of impacted by, by art and, and, and paintings and things like that. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting um, thing. Don't really know if it's a personality trait or how it's defined, but it's something that uh, I remember when I was a, a child, my mom kind of had this term for me. She called me a mimosa and a mimosa is this tree that has leaves that um, kind of when you touch them, they close down, they kind of um, compact and, and close down. And, and and that meant, oh, you're very sensitive, right? And so that wasn't necessarily in my mind that that was not a positive thing to be. And and even when I first got to know my husband, he kind of commented on, oh, you're very sensitive and things like that. And so you start to think, oh, this is something bad about me. I should, you know, especially like being a teenager and not being able to watch horror movies or whatever, all this aggression and, and violence um, on TV. And even in my family, I have two boys and 
there's very often every weekend there's one movie that I will not watch with them and so they always have to pick one mom you know movie and then the the other night they'll watch a, a guy movie where I know a lot of other women they're able to watch but me I just I just know I won't be able to sleep after because it has such a deep impact on me that I'm like well I'd rather not. I don't enjoy it, and uh, and and then on top of that, I can't sleep at night. So, so yeah. You mentioned the boys. That yeah. reminds me when Michael and I moved in together, he would play video games, and uh-huh. I had no exposure. I mean, other than my brother growing up, my younger brother, but in recent years, had no exposure. They're so graphic, they're so vivid, and they're so violent. So many of them are so incredibly violent. The purpose of the game is you run around with a gun killing people or animals or aliens or whatever it is. And he would get great joy. Some of the video games, like you're on a big trek, you're on a journey. And I would always love the nature scenes where he was in Egypt or in the forest, let's say. And early on in our relationship, he asked me to play with him. First, I said, no, I won't play anything violent. Okay. We go to play some game and I don't know, it had to involve shooting him. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't shoot him even in the video game and nor would I shoot anyone else in the video game. Like I just absolutely, my whole body said, no, I will not do this. I will not play acts that I'm shooting you, my now husband, or killing people for sport. Like I just, and so then he kind of, his awareness around it grew and he he started to realize, oh yeah, these are so violent. Oh, how come I never questioned that? And mm-hmm. and it kind of, I didn't tell, I didn't ask him, don't play them or I didn't tell him you shouldn't. But he also just kind of woke up to, wow, yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, what am I putting into my brain? Because it's right. easy not to question it. Yeah. I, I'm also thinking now that, you know, with, with so many people um, suffering right now, how like we we kind of mentioned it before that there's certain things that we can't control and i think that is what is so important right now as an empath or highly sensitive person to realize what we can focus on and 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 what we can control and and then let go of the other things that we can't control and 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 i think it's also um what i let what i like to do now that I, I've come out of this frozen state and, and I feel grounded now and I feel like, okay, I, I'm here to help. Uh, I think that's also what empaths are good at, right? They, they're able to help. And, uh, and, and so it's really about this compassion and showing that you, you understand the pain of others. Um, and the challenge is not to absorb their pain, right? So really, um, I don't know what, what you're doing, Jenny, in order to, you know, be able, being able to help and yet stay grounded and, and, and not absorb other people's pain. What are you personally doing for that? Well, I love that you're asking that. I was going to ask you the same thing about what tactics or practices you've developed over the years. One thing that's important for me is to just pause and say, is this my sadness or the collective? Or both, could be both. That can go multiple ways. Sometimes I might be thinking I'm picking up on the collective sadness and I'm really projecting. It's really my own sadness, something I'm not dealing with or haven't shown the light of awareness onto yet. And then other times I might think, 
gosh, why am I so sad today? This is bizarre. Nothing has happened. And I inquire within and there's no discernible reason. And then I realize, oh, it might be the collective sadness. And this can happen, by the way, even in a partnership, even in a relationship. I think right. for empaths and highly sensitive people, it's it's really challenging if your partner's down, not to just immediately be down. <laughs> or yeah. this yeah. goes to my codependency, but not to think, what did I do? <laughs> so yeah. sometimes I think, oh no, either what did I do? Or was I, did I create that? Did I have to, I rewind in my mind things I said or did. And then even if I don't feel responsible and I know better, my adult self, sometimes I'll also wonder, oh, how can I fix this? Mm-hmm. So I, I also think it's important to give others space, not to jump so much into helper rescuer mode. I have to pull myself back from this of thinking just because, you know, Sarah, you mentioned shifting from frozen into helper mode. And, mm-hmm. and we may all cycle through, we may all cycle through frozen, sad, inspired, helper, frozen, sad, you know, we don't really know those, how those cycles will go. But sometimes I need to say, it's okay. I don't need to jump in and fix anything here. I just need to show up and be authentic and be myself and be the change, be as grounded as I can be, take care of my health, physical health, mental, spiritual, emotional health as much as I can and then show up authentically and honestly and transparently from that place without trying to fix things too much for others and without trying to prevent them from having their process. I like that. Um, and, and what I kind of jotted down was um, empower versus fix. Um, because yes, uh, I, I think if we get into the fixing mode then we get overwhelmed. And that's another thing that uh, highly sensitive people often deal with is this sense of overwhelm. Because if you fix one person, then, you know, there's thousands of others that need help and with fixing right now. So we, that's not our role. We can't take on that, that role. What we can do is once we uh, grounded ourselves is then help people empower themselves and, and say, look, you know, here's some ideas and that's how you can, you know, find back to, to clarity and, and groundedness. So help them empower themselves, but we kind of deviated and I want to have you start again with the, with the tools and, and, and routines that you. Yeah, those are, those are two of them. I think so much of it is awareness because, Uh, mm -hmm. because as an empath, it's easy to absorb or go into this automatic reaction. So for me, those are two tools is asking, is this mine or is this a collective or both? Mm -hmm. It's about not jumping into other people's business too much, just focusing on my own groundedness. Because also if what I have found is if I'm not, if as an empath, if I'm not grounded, I'm very susceptible. I'm much more susceptible to anything I would see or hear in the media or someone can look at me with a a split second micro expression and I'll I'll feel that negative energy or I'll feel bad or, you know, it's really bizarre. So I I know my groundedness is really important. I would also say as a highly sensitive person, I need immense amounts of rest and recharging. So another thing I had to remind myself this today, and I can't even say I'm getting this balance right just yet. It's especially a little tricky with the dog walks twice a day. So we are distancing, but he, he needs to go out and I'm more tired than usual. I think just the emotional journey of all this I'm more tired and I need more rest. 
and I need way more than I think. And this is a common pattern in my life that whatever I think I'm allowed, whatever dosage of rest seems appropriate, it's about double, triple, or quadruple. So I need to rest. Otherwise, as a an HSP, I'll call it for short, I don't have the tools to respond very resiliently in the moment. I don't, I'm shorter temper. I misinterpret things and I can get more negative. So it's actually vital for me to rest and do less during a time like this. How about for you? What are some of your favorite tips mm-hmm. and tools? I'm, we're lucky in Switzerland that we still get to go outside. So uh, even though we're being asked to you know, stay at home, um, we can still go outside for, for walks and um, kind of be in nature. And, and I live next to a little forest with a river. And so I really um, yeah, treasure that usually, but now even more to be, to be in nature. And nature is kind of an anchor for me because it, it shows me that this is going to be here for me. This is perfect just as is. There's nothing to fix in nature. If if I touch a tree and look up to its crown, it's perfect as is. And that just helps me because usually when we're working, then there's always, we always have things to fix and things to do. And in nature, you just are reminded that everything is perfect the way it is. So, so yeah, definitely um, if you're still able to go outside and if you can go to a park nearby, uh, I would definitely encourage you to to or or maybe even to just look outside and if you see a tree in front of your window to realize that these are anchors or forests that help us remind ourselves that this is here for you for us it's also a message from nature that we're not as powerful as we think as humans and and kind of reminding us of of you know that we're living on mother nature's planet and that uh in a way, yes, there's there's the climate crisis, but but at the same time, nature is very powerful, and and so maybe this is a, a reminder that um, that's the way it is. So so nature is one of them, and and then uh, I'm I'm a practicing um, meditator, let's say, and I'm really saying practicing because it's not something that comes easy for me, but I have been practicing for about four years and. And it does help me, even though I, you know, usually feel like, oh, that wasn't great. But at least I'm sitting there and I'm trying to go back to my thoughts. And, and so I think that has helped me a lot with sleep because I can really now go to sleep very easily where before that wasn't the case. And then the, the third one I'd mentioned um, is a gratitude journal. So, so really writing down um, most nights what I'm grateful for. And I didn't do it in the week when I was frozen because it felt like there was nothing to be grateful for. But now I'm reminded again of what what we already have, all the things that we have, just focusing on those things and 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 really yeah, pausing and reflecting on on these inner things also that we that we have and that we're actually quite lucky in that way. There's so much great stuff in there. And your nature around your house sounds so beautiful. When, when you were sharing that, it reminded me, sometimes it's challenging taking the dog out twice a day, but I have to say the dog owners are so happy because we get out of the house twice a day. We have fresh air. Really, 
we have the park to ourselves. That's selfish of me to say, but it's just, we can let the dog off the leash. So, and then all the dog owners, we don't always go to the dog run, but Ryder really loves playing with other dogs. And then it's so delightful watching these dogs interact. So to tack on to the nature piece, the dogs don't know that anything's wrong. <laughs> you know, they're as delightful and playful and happy yeah. as ever. And so yeah. that mechanism of we have to get fresh air once or twice a day, we have to move our bodies. And we're with this little being that it's as normal a day as any other, you know? And it's so funny in, in Spain, they're on complete lockdown as well. Um, I was talking to a client in Spain yesterday and he's like, there, there is people with dogs who are now renting out their dogs so other people can have Seriously. an excuse to, walk for, to go for a dog walk. Yeah. Seriously, because the police are out in New York. You, I can mm -hmm. see them driving by through the park and looking mm -hmm. and it, it's as if they're looking. Do you have a dog? Do you have a reason to be out? Because the only people that are out are either exercising, which is still okay if you keep six feet between that each other, the exercisers, the dog owners. So it's true. I could see people saying like, here, borrow my dog. Yeah, exactly. Because then they don't crack down either. We're at least able to stand, you know, like the owners will stand kind of far, owners, guardians will stand kind of far apart, but at least be able to say, how are you doing? How's this affecting your work, your family? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned the gratitude journal. Someone, I was just attending a workshop today and she said, now is the time to do automatic writing especially if you're highly sensitive, which most likely means highly intuitive as well, that anything, not just to release tension or stress to get that, do the automatic writing, but also tune in your antenna to the collective right now. What does the world need? How can you serve? How can you be a messenger during this time? What is going to come through your channel uniquely? And you might not know exactly. You certainly can't think that through with your brain. You just need to let the words flow from your hand to the page or typing on the computer, however it works for you. But I also think now is really an opportunity for HSPs once you get grounded and just manage your own fundamentals. There's a real call to serve during this time. Yeah, because we have this intuition that, like you said, I also feel that this is much needed and it will be okay. And there's so many people that don't feel that right now and so to be able to tell them and 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 yeah maybe share it on your blog or wherever you you know maybe you're not yet feeling comfortable uh, sharing what you're writing but but at least writing it down for yourself and then hopefully in the future share it also with a wider audience don't you also feel i, I don't want to put words into your mouth but a sense of urgency that the world needs heart-centered messages at this time. And I think there is a lot of that happening, but I wonder for you, Sarah, and actually I'd be curious to hear your take on this because I know some service-oriented and heart-based business owners, as you know well from Momentum, are feeling a little self-conscious. Well, is now the time to launch? Is now the time to do business? Is now the time to send messages to my mailing list? There is some overwhelm from every single business under the sun sending out messages about coronavirus. And on the other hand, I feel a real deep need to counterbalance the fear side and the anxiety. And so I wonder what you would advise to others who are thinking, how can I serve during this time without seeming self-serving? Right. What I think uh, right now is a great time to, to be visible, to be helpful, to uh, prepare for 
you know, once we've gone through this and, and, and we don't know right now when this is, but right now is, is the time to, to, to be helpful to your community and, and serve them. And, and I'm not saying that everything, all of your services should all of a sudden be free. Um, but there is, I think, um, yeah, an opportunity first to help. And right now, everybody is suffering, you know, economically. So I, I don't think it's the best uh, moment to kind of share your uh, six-figure program or whatever. Um, but I do think it, it's the time to serve and show up for them. What about you? Right now, it's all still very shocking. And as we said, Sarah, you and I are in parts of the world where it's happening a little earlier than certain other places. Right. So there's going to be this wave of awareness, I think, that sweeps through. Oh, this is real. This is really happening. Oh, this is really serious. I mean, right. even just me watching the, the bubble grow in New York City day by day by day, and it gets bigger and bigger. And so that's going to happen around the country and around the rest of the world where, pe- where people realize, oh, this is really serious. This is really going to affect me and us too. Everything is already being shut down. And then it might last two, three months we all hope it's shorter than that. It might last six months. We don't know. So I do think there's going to come a point where business has to resume because that's in everybody's best interest to keep us all afloat during this time, but business will have to change. So I love what you're saying that now's the great time to be visible, be helpful. What can you offer? What's your zone of genius? The thing that you do well and that you love. So it's at the intersection of it's unique you're uniquely good at it and you love it. It brings you joy. For me, it is podcasting, not writing. It's podcasting and it's not video. It's podcasting. (laughs) So how do you hone in on the one way you like to serve and then building on that without knowing where it's going to take you? So having a little faith in the process. And when business does resume, it's about getting creative. How can you do the work you need to do in a new way? And leaders are going to have to ask that question. Organizations will have to ask that question. Think about how many companies are going through a major pivot right now where they would have never let their entire workforce work from home. You know, they would have never allowed that. They would have said, we can't collaborate that way. It's inefficient. Enough work won't get done. Well, now they have no choice. So now they're saying, oh, okay, how do we continue to be collaborative and innovative? How do we, without falling into fatigue, because I'm also seeing a quadrillion Zoom sessions right now, and I can't stand being on video all day. I feel so frozen in place in front of my computer. It drives me nuts. So I'm going to record a podcast soon on screen fatigue and basically imploring people, do not make every meeting a video meeting or people are going to lose their mind. <laughs> it's true. And I also think there is going to be actually a, a, a sense of wanting to do more, no more webinars, for example, I'm thinking, because we do want to be heard and seen and we do want to all, you know, be able to contribute and not just be sitting in the sidelines and and, and, and sit there and, and listen to the guru. So in a way, I think these two months will have a huge impact on how um, we collaborate. And by collaboration, I really also mean, you know, these these big businesses, but also uh, kind of the the marketing gurus who up till now, they, yeah, they just excluded everyone else. And it was just them who were running the show. 
but now everybody is going to know how to use Zoom, for example, and everybody's learning how to communicate via these tools. They want to be heard and seen. They don't want to just attend all these uh, anonymous webinars anymore. That's what I see coming. It's like we now know how this online world works. Let us let us participate. Absolutely. And and people are going to step into their own leadership shoes. So it might be learning. I don't mind. I don't mind webinars and being a passive recipient sometimes, but I have an outlet. You know, I have the momentum community. I have the podcast. So I think if somebody doesn't have that, they're going to feel really, a lot of people will feel very called to create that or to finally get that thing off the ground or finally hit publish, even if it isn't perfect. There's, this is not a time for perfectionism because nothing can be perfect. N- none of us can know what's happening. And if you sit on things for too long, the world's going to change around you. And it's not going to be relevant anymore. So I also think this is going to call people to rise. When you're passively receiving content, great. That's kind of part of the resting and recharging unless it's a business meeting. But for me, I'm so grateful. Many of my yoga studios, even ones I haven't been able to get to for years, are now streaming their classes. I'm so thankful that I can take yes. from some of my favorite teachers from my room. I'm, I'm so thankful for the content providers who are providing interesting, thought-provoking content during this time. You know, a lot of us, it is a time to pause and think about what really matters. I love the content that's been oriented toward that. I'm always the type that I'm thankful to watch it on the recording, you know, but what you said, I think that you're right. People are going to want to make sure that they're also active and there's going to be certain formats or certain types of calls where people want to be seen and heard. And it's so important how you just called that out. I'm really glad that you did. You also mentioned self-leadership, which I think is like, I see it with my 13 year old. They are now being asked to get organized and, you know, do all the studying from home. They get a, a ton of emails at the beginning of the week and could easily learn a lead to overwhelm. But so they're being asked to step up. And, and I, I told my son this morning, I'm like, well, this is exactly your learning skills that you would never learn at school. You're learning them now. And they will help you so much for later because you're, yeah, you're self-leading yourself now. And, and that is, that is going to happen, not just for, for um, scholars, but for, for everybody, right? It's like you're on your own. Um, so many people have never worked from home. The two of us, we've been doing this for a long time, so it's no big deal. But um, I, I talk to people who, you know, it, it, they, just, they don't know how to organize their days. And, and I, I think you mentioned it on one of your podcasts as well. It's like you have to have structure and how do you really organize your day? So this self-leadership is, is really going to be also one of the big changes, I believe. What do you think the unique challenges are going to be for empaths and highly sensitive people to step up during this time? And then what do you think the advantages are? Well, what comes up uh, is, is this overwhelm. So that's something that we, I think, are, are more prone to. So I think we need to be very careful with, again, what is our own and what can we control and, and what can we not control? So for example, if I'm, if I'm an employee and uh, I, I can't all of a sudden feel responsible for everyone on my team, I still need to say, okay, I'm responsible for my stuff and I 
you know, somebody else does not know how to get organized, then I can't help everyone. So, so yeah, I, I see that as kind of a potential risk. So be very mindful with your, with your energy and, and, and again, what you can focus on. And I guess the intuition, maybe not the intuition, but what I feel as well um, as maybe that has more to do with the INFJ uh, side that we're also both this self-motivation. So this intrinsic motivation, that is definitely uh, an, uh, an advantage that I see that I, I don't have a problem with, you know, being motivated and, and, and organizing my days. What would you say was, is this intrinsic motivation? Is that something specific to you empaths or? Well, I love that you said that. I didn't think about that because I do have that in Gretchen Rubin's framework. What does she call it? The upholder? Uh-huh. Is that the one that upholds their own goals and they don't need to, they don't really need outside accountability to do things yeah. or get things done. Yeah. There's, so there's the upholder, the questioner. I'm a little bit of both those. Then there's the obliger that does much better with an outside person asking for things. They do better committing to others than to themselves and the rebel. Rebel just questions everything and you can't tell Rebel what to do, which I married one. <laughs> um, yeah, I love, I love what you said. I definitely think intuition is a superpower right now. If you're an empath and you're highly sensitive, you can really get a subtle, nuanced read on what, not just what's happening, but what the world needs. And I think you're going to feel that more acutely, more specifically. You can tune into your own journey, your own ups and downs. And I know I've certainly been doing that. And I just, a couple of years ago was working on Pivot, which was my second book. There was a point where I just realized, oh, I think I go through certain things a little early. And if I just pay attention to my journey and my process and how I solve things, that will be helpful for people. It mm-hmm. took me time to get there because I just thought, well, this is what everyone is going through, or this is what everyone has solved. <laughs> and I do think if you're an empath or highly sensitive, you may have a slight earlier jump on certain things by you experiencing them. And at a deeper level, you can serve and solve and share at a deeper, more intricate or more specific level. And I always need to be reminded of that because I do truly always think everybody else feels the same things or sees the same things. And and, and, and sometimes I just think it's Tony, my husband, who just doesn't have the same um, kind of sensors. But yeah, when I, like you said before, when someone walks next to you and you can just tell that they've just received some terrible news or they're just, you know, not in a good place. And, and the person next to you, and usually it's my husband, Tony, he's like, what are you talking about? How can you you know, why did I'm like, well, just something on their face or, or yeah, I can just tell. And so, so I think the same applies, I guess, to, to the bigger picture, the, the, yeah, this idea of what people need right now. And it's very interesting that you say that. Thanks, Jenny. I love what you said too, about don't try to boil the ocean basically, and be specific about how you want to help and who you want to help during this time. So it's probably overwhelming to try to say, well, I mean, I will say my personal mission for a long, long time has been to be as helpful as possible to as many people as possible. But within that, I'm not trying to be the news media at the same time that I'm trying to be a medical professional at the same time that I'm trying to be an author of a book on change. I can't be all those things. There are certain things that I 
don't have the expertise, the experience or the, or the call to do basically. And so I have to look and say, who can I be most helpful to and how? For me, it's companies, it's individuals, it tends to be people working in information-related jobs, things where that work is in front of the computer, whether as an entrepreneur or maybe it's big tech companies. And then how? Again, I can bring in guests on my podcast, but I have to stay focused on what I can do, which is just what topics or what am I experiencing around this and how do I talk about that in an open, authentic, real-time, in-the-moment way? That's something we're going to need to ask. Otherwise, it can be overwhelming and paralyzing that if you try to be all things to all people during this time, that's, it's just going to be overwhelming because there is so much need around the world. And for me, the flip side of that is I, I have to drop the guilt. Sometimes I feel very guilty and privileged you know, in doing this work. I feel how dare I talk about working from home tips while people are dying you know, or how dare I have a lightness in my voice or record this portion of an essay in a joyful way, people are dying. So I do have this voice in my head that will sort of like harangue me and says, like, how dare you be happy right now? People are dying. How dare you talk about these? How how dare you move on to these other topics and not constantly caveat it? You know, even my, I was very self-conscious telling you the whole food story because what a privilege to just get to be well, get up and go to Whole Foods and have a Whole Foods down the street and have the funds to buy the groceries from Whole Foods. So there's just this whole chain of privilege, visible and invisible, that I'm really aware of. And I I just have to make the choice to serve who I can and not get bogged or uh, weighed down too much by the heaviness and the the extremes of what's going on. You mentioned um, so protecting our energy, I think is is super important. And and that's somehow related to guilt, because if I you know, say no uh, to, you know, another webinar uh, that or another Zoom call that I could be doing um, again for free and again putting this up. It always takes us time as well. And, and yes, we have this, you know, really drive to help. But at the same time, if we're, and I know this from experience from my overgiving burnout, which I talk about a lot on my podcast, it's like, well, as empaths, giving comes so naturally to us that actually what we need to learn is how to protect our energy and not feel guilty about protecting our energy. So uh, when people ask me, you know, could you do this? Could you do that? I will always first check my energy and how long will it take me to put this up? Is it an easy thing I can do? And, um, you know, to help then, then yes, I will most definitely uh, do everything I can. However, time is so important. And especially right now, I, you know, I have uh, a family that is now home, I need to cook more, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so always thinking uh, about protecting my energy first as well, because it's kind of like the, the mask on the plane, if we don't have the energy um, for for ourselves, then then we can't help anymore either. I'm so glad you mentioned overgiving burnout and the guilt or dropping the guilt around saying no and being discerning with time. I've noticed myself as well as just the influx of communications overall. So much of it's very positive. People checking in, how are you doing? Especially now in New York, it's coming from a lot of places. 
that just gets overwhelming for me in general, even when we're not in a pandemic, is just communication and pings and messages. But I've noticed there are certain requests that have come in where I feel it's not an instant yes, it's not an a whole body yes. And then I feel a little guilty. Well, shouldn't I be helping during this time? Shouldn't I be saying yes? And what I'm trying to do is find a win-win so or a way to honor my own intentions during this time. So for example, you asked me to do this podcast and I was so happy for the topic. And I just said, I'd love that. And can I release it on mine as well? Perfect. Someone wrote and said, can we kind of pick your brain on remote working? And I said, why don't you and your team get huddled huddled together, send me your questions and I'll record it as a podcast because I want to do a session on that anyway. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to shift because especially today, before some of those requests came in, I realized I've got to clear my calendar. I cannot just go into my default calendaring mode and pack this thing up. I need extra time, extra space, just like you said, both for emotional wellness, taking care of things on the family and the home front, and just the space to really process and feel into what's happening. I think it would be such a miss if we just steamrolled over this space and quiet and time with a bunch of meetings, which is so tempting right now because everyone wants to schedule meetings because everyone's home. So I think there's going to be a big call for all of us to strengthen our no muscles or strengthen our pivot, pivot the request muscle of how can you shift that into something that you might already be doing. Yeah, exactly. Using our time effectively and efficiently. And yet that always comes with a little guilt trip as well. Am I just, you know, taking advantage of this situation? But but no, you're not. And, and I think um, I've mentioned on my podcast, Essentialism, uh, the book by uh, Greg McCowan, that really changed my life and, and, and saying no in a gentle way, because we can't say no in a gentle way. And I think that's also what we're being asked to do here. I love essentialism too. It's such a, such a good one. I've, I haven't had Greg on the pivot podcast, but he's, I know he's so good with how he, how he talks about that. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So you better get real clear on what that is. I was thinking um, kind of to wrap it up here i i would love for you to you know you have a big audience in the u.s my audience is um a bit all over the place but there's definitely uh, people in the u.s as well um knowing what we know being a bit ahead of the curve maybe we can just kind of share what would you like to share with your fellow americans and and i would probably include also uh, British because in, in England they're still kind of behind on the curve as well and and maybe social distancing is not yet so much in the yeah and pe- on people's minds. So what would you share with people? I'll speak to the more emotional side, I guess. I would say know that there will be a roller coaster. I mean I would never want to project that. Some of you might not have any downs, you know, that's fine. But there may be an emotional roller coaster. You may feel extra drained, extra tired, extra sad. You may pick up on the energy of others around you, even when you're not feeling that way. So the biggest thing I would say is as you, as the wave of social distancing and shelter at home starts to go to where you are, really take the time to get quiet before you even jump into action and jump into trying to turn your mindset around and make the most of this. Let yourself be. 
this is such a powerful time and there's so many gifts that are going to come in. We don't even know what they are yet. This is really a, it's not a short-term thing. So take the time to be and rest and process and go slower than you think and trust that when you are moved to act, you will know. When you have the energy and the inspiration, ride those waves, absolutely. And you feel a specific call to serve, go for it. But don't put pressure on yourself to get there sooner than you need to. And take extra time to rest because this will be more tiring than I think you can anticipate. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I really had the, this week where I thought, I'll never finish this book. I don't have the motivation. Like it was like this huge wet blanket was thrown over me. And I, yeah, like I didn't recognize myself because usually I'm, you know, someone very driven. I get up in the morning and go straight to work and, and, and I couldn't do anything. So, so yeah, I really give yourself permission to, to just be and, and, and realize that this, we've never experienced this. So this is very different and, and it can be very scary and, and not just because of the health issues, but also because of the, you know, the, the unknown of the economic impact. So I would definitely say, yeah, give yourself permission to be, and then kind of like what we discussed, once you feel like, okay, now I, I think I can help you don't have to solve this problem. Uh, you can't. So, so just focus on the few people where you think you can help and, and kind of apply everything we shared on, on this podcast, like protect your energy and, and help when it makes sense to help. I would add, if you feel yourself getting disappointed that this was going to be my year, this was going to be my decade. I had all these plans for 2020. So it reminded me, Sarah, when you talked about the book and for me, I weirdly, booked my first airport run of pivot to be in airports, 50 airports, May, June, and July. And the airports are practically vacant now. So this is very bizarre. But I think to myself, well, what was important to me about that marketing experiment? I almost never do any outbound marketing. So that's what's funny about it. And I think, oh, it was my year to step up and really be center stage with pivot and really claim my space. Okay, well, that's happening just in a very unexpected way. It's as if the universe is playing the opposite game with us, not with our intentions and our vision of how we want to show up, but the circumstances around that have now done an almost a 180. So my inquiry to all of you, my invitation would be, look at the intentions that you set before all of this started happening and ask, well, how is this change in circumstances actually even more ripe or fertile ground for me to work toward those intentions and just try on that shift in perspective. Yeah. I have a friend who um, was supposed to host a huge conference about the future of business. And it was all about, you know, using more intuition and, and, uh, and heartfelt business. And so it got postponed. Um, and of course, yeah, there's a, a year of work and a big financial commitment and, and she was very disappointed, but at the same time, it, it will be so much better because people will be so ready for that message in the fall or in the winter when, when the conference will happen again. And I think it's, it's the case for many of our projects and, you know, my, my book, hopefully, and, and other things that Heart Centered 
um, people are working on because this is opening our hearts. This whole, it's it's so needed in a way. And maybe you're going to get insights for your book that you would have never gotten if this weren't happening, or you're getting the time and space and the almost permission. It's now is the time for deep work, but we will have to carve that out. Wonderful. Well, how should we end this? Do we want to just share how people can find you and I share how people can find me? Sure. That sounds great. All right. You go first. I've been doing a whole series of daily podcasts now on pivoting around a pandemic. You can find all of those at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And there's a free toolkit of exercises. They're not pandemic related or anything, but just to work through exercises from the book pivot. And that's at pivotmethod.com slash toolkit. And for all of you solopreneurs, which I know, Sarah, you have many in your audience, you can go to pivotmethod.com slash FFT is my free up founder time. It's a free mini course for small business owners. And I think you'll find it particularly helpful during this time where so much of the nature of our work is shifting. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of related to the essentialism, really make sure that you're only working on the essentials and kind of cutting back on the non-essentials. I have a podcast uh, that is called The Gentle Business Revolution. You can find that uh, either on iTunes or at thegentlebusinessrevolution.com. And my main website is sarasenicroce.com. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for reaching out to do this. And big thanks to everybody who's here listening. Thank you so much for coming on. I think um, this has been an amazing conversation and and hopefully it'll be helpful to fellow empaths and uh, HSPs. I certainly hope so too. And if you listen and you have extra tips that we haven't covered, I would love to hear. Let us know on either of our two channels. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always?